sniff. Only me and my brother are left. What happened here? Those men came here for our dragon ball. They took it and left. We have nothing now. Cry. Hey, welcome back to another episode of uh, the Legacy of Goku podcast. I almost forgot what podcast I was doing for a second there. I am your host, uh, Kevin Emery. Uh, today, I think we're going to be wrapping things up for the first Legacy of Goku game. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about with this game, so it only took me like a few episodes to kind of get the gist of everything. Uh, there's just like, there's just not a whole lot of depth to this game. It's a good, solid game, but there's just not a whole lot of depth to it. But I'll talk a little bit more about that toward the end of the podcast uh, episode here. So I always like to start... Uh, a lot of these podcast episodes off with like a trivia question so I ask the question at the beginning of the podcast and then I'll give the answer at the end of the podcast and so while the podcast is going it kind of gives you something to think about it's just a little something to kind of hold the show together so the question is um, there was an item if you bought the game brand new there was an item that was included with every game what was that item know what it is do you ever did you ever buy the game new or did you buy it used years later i feel like a lot of people probably bought this game used years later it did sell pretty well though i will say <laughs> so in this episode last time we left off uh back where uh, we were fighting against nappa and then vegeta and so we left the episode off right after you defeat vegeta right before you go off to Namek. So we start off here at Namek. There's really not a whole lot to this front um, part of the game. You basically just start off, you're just kind of exploring a little bit. Um, it's really just, a, it's an area that's just designed to help level up your character a little bit more and just kind of, it's really filler, I mean, let's be honest. But you could just kind of essentially, if you were already had your character pretty leveled up, um, then you could essentially just um, skip past a lot of this stuff. But don't jump too far ahead, though, in that front part of the area, because uh, before you go inside the temple, you're eventually going to, if you keep walking forward, you're eventually going to bump into this giant temple. And uh, before you go inside, you need to know that you need two artifacts. There's three artifacts you got to collect in all. They're like these jewel, kind of like square-looking jewel things. Um, there's um, a blue one, a red one, and a green one, I believe. Uh, there's two of them are outside the temple, though. Um, they're actually behind the temple, so what you need to do is you need to walk off to the side and go around the temple, and then all the way at the top, uh, then you uh, slowly work your way um, to the top, and there are going to be two artifacts. Like I said, you collect one of them. One of them is like right under a dinosaur, so when you kill the dinosaur, you need to uh, try to look around him, and I think it's the red artifact, but it could be the blue one. And... Um, and then you need to um, collect, like I said, make sure you collect both. There's two artifacts. Basically, just explore around and make sure you find two of the artifacts before you start going inside the temple. And then once you find 
both artifacts, then you want to work your way back down to the entrance of the temple because there's only one way in. You can't go through the back part of it. You have to walk all the... Unfortunately, you got to walk all the way back to the front part. So when you work your way back down to the entrance of the temple, then you go inside. And this is when things can get a little tricky because there's a lot of warp... Um, uh, I guess you could just, yeah, call them warp... Uh, like circles, whatever, they're like different colors. And when you step on them, they automatically warp you into another room in the temple. And this is where you need to not only find the last artifact, the green artifact, but you need to also find your way to the end part of this temple. And when you get to the end part, then you got to place all three artifacts down on these little pallets. And then when you uh, put them all down, then it'll unlock the secret warp uh, circle. And when you step on that warp circle, it'll take you out where the where the Ginyu Force is at. So, but it can be tricky to work your way through this temple. So, this temple, there they give you little hints and clues and um, things like that to um, help you kind of work your way around the temple. If you um, now there are these hands that kind of stick out. I guess it's supposed to be a hand. I always thought when I was a kid, I always looked at it and thought it was a hand. But then when I looked at it when I got older, I was like, well, maybe that's not a hand. Maybe that's supposed to be like a, um, maybe that uh, it's supposed to be like a stone or something, you know, with text on it. But I always, when I was a kid, I always looked at it and it looked like the palm of a hand like with the little lines in it, and it looked like fingers were sticking out of it, but I honestly have no idea what it's supposed to be. The graphics in this game can be a little minimal sometimes. They're not necessarily bad. They're just kind of standard, uh, minimal, generic, I guess you could say. Uh, Pixel-style graphics, you know, there's nothing super special about them, thankfully. In the, But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at one right now, and they just they kind of look like hands, but... At the same time, I'm looking at him, I'm like, maybe that's supposed to be just like a stone just sitting on there with text on it. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But anyway, I digress. Um, if you walk in front of one of those uh, hands or stones, whatever they're supposed to be, it will read off to you what it says. And the clues on these things are uh, completely pointless. It's not helping you with the game. It's giving you these generic... Um, lines like, oh, the, your youth is important, so make sure it just crap like that, so make sure you don't take advantage of it or whatever. And um, just a bunch of garbage like that. But what is useful is as you walk around, as you work your way through the temple, you might be a little confused as you walk around because you're like, okay, where do I go? Uh, just start stepping on different circles. I mean, that's the best advice. I mean, I could tell you which circles to step on because I've played this game a lot, but I think that would kind of ruin the experience of the game. Um, so I think the best way to do it is explore. But the third artifact is kind of hidden off. I will kind of show you where the third artifact is since I already told you where the first two were behind the temple, you know. So when you get inside the temple, you basically want to walk. Um, there's going to be this um, white uh, circle, warp circle in front of you. So basically step on that one. There's actually a better way to do this, but go ahead and step on that one. It's This is the easiest way to get the artifact. Um, and then you want to just walk. You're going to appear in front of this uh, warp circle. 
or this warp hole, I guess you could say. And then you want to walk all the way to the right. Just keep walking to the right. And you're going to see a couple of warp circles. One's like green and one's blue or something like that. But don't don't get on those. Pass those up. And you're eventually going to, when you get to the end where there's like a wall there, all the way, just walk all the way as far right as you possibly can. And then you're going to, where your only option is to either go back or go up. So you want to go up. And then you're going to see this hand that is like pointing like a finger, a giant finger stone thing is pointing to the side. And it seems to be pointing towards something, but it's pointing at a wall. That's because there's a secret door there. And so if you walk through that uh, secret door, you're basically going to be walking behind the wall there. And then all the way to the right on the bottom there, that's where the green artifact is. But the rest of the way, um, I'll, I'll give you some hints and tips here um but the rest of the way i i think it's just more fun if you just explore the temple but really just once you get that artifact just start stepping on warp circles and kind of working your way around if you want to know if you're progressing in the game and anytime you bump into a hand with a pointer on it uh always go the direction of that because that one's um leading you the correct way to go um but there are actually believe it or not there are actually easier ways to work your way around this temple besides just following the always following the warp gates. There at the beginning of the temple, there is a actually a secret door that a finger does not point to. And um you basically want to walk to your uh left and there's a flight circle there. It's a red flight circle. Grab that flight circle and then if you walk through the secret door to your left. Like I said, there's no finger or anything pointing to it. And then you walk all the way down to the bottom, uh, when, all the way off to the left to the side, and then work your way down to the bottom. I think there's an orange flight circle. Step on that, and you skip a large portion of this temple. Like I think you skip like two or three rooms or something like that. A lot of people naturally want to step on that white circle and then slowly work their way through the temple, but it's actually easier if you just walk through that secret door and then work your way down there. That's the, I figured after playing this game many times, I figured that out. I was like, you skip like a large portion of this temple. Like I said, the only problem is, is you also skip the area where you collect that green artifact. So you got to get the green artifact first, and then you can skip uh, the large portion of the temple. And, um, but yeah, if it's confusing to you, like I said, just keep stepping on flight circles and working your way around. Eventually you'll figure your way through. It can be tricky, but it's really not that hard. You just kind of have to have patience to walk your way around. It's it's really just meant for padding, for filler. There's really not that much creativity to this the design of this temple, to be honest. I mean, I'm just saying it how it is. Um, just not much creativity to it. But it can be fun at some points. But yeah, anyway, when you work your way to the last room, there's going to be this statue um, of, um, I think his name is... Giru, the you know the Namekian father, the one that like spits up all the eggs for him. You know how Namekians they can spit up their eggs because they're asexual. They don't have a, uh, they don't have girls. Basically, they're all males, but they can, uh, and um, they can spit up their own eggs and basically each, you know, they kind of create their own uh, 
people, I guess you could say. <laughs> and they kind of look up to them as their uh, leader. They're all kind of like the father of them, I guess you could say. But as soon as you um, put all your artifacts down on the little the little circle things, little pads, circle pads, I guess you could call them, uh, make sure you don't walk through the blue, I think it's a blue one, uh, warp gate, there's a white one that'll appear off to your left. Make sure you do not step on that blue one, because if you do, you're going to appear all the way back at an uh, earlier part of the temple, and then you got to work your way back through. So uh, don't step on that one. Make sure you walk off to the left, and then you'll see a white uh, um, warp circle that will appear off to your left that was not there before step on that one and it'll make you pop out in front of you'll pop outside on the other side of the temple where the ginyu forest is at so basically when you get to the ginyu forest um you'll see vegeta krillin and gohan standing out there in front you can talk to them three of course if you want uh, obviously that's optional they'll just tell you stuff to kind of give you um fill you in on the story but if you've seen the tv show you it's really not necessary. It's essentially, they're essentially just saying abridged versions of what they say on the TV show. Um, so basically, you need to walk up to Raccoon. And uh, um, actually, technically, there's no order into fighting the Ginyu Force. That's what I, the only person you can't fight first is Captain Ginyu. He will not fight you until you defeat all three, both Raccoon, Berter, and Jace. You have to beat all three of them. The interesting thing about this fight is it can be as hard as you want it to be. If you feel like fighting one person at a time is a little too easy for you, because maybe you leveled up Goku too much, or by this point of the game you've gotten pretty good at it, um, one thing you can do is instead of just fighting one Ginyu Force member, you can actually fight two or all three if you want to. If you talk to Raccoon, after he starts kind of punching at you, you could walk a little bit forward, talk to Berter, and then he'll start wanting to fight you. And then uh, if you want to, then you can also talk to Jace, and then he'll want to fight you too. So you literally could have all three of them after you if you want to. But if you don't want to, uh, yeah, like I said, you just talk to one at a time. Talk to Raccoon first if you want to. Uh, he's the easiest out of all three of them. And... Um, then you can beat him first and then work your way to Berter and Jace. I think Berter and Jace are about the same level in the game. I'm not sure if that's accurate to the show, but in the game they were about the same level. <clears throat> um. So, yeah. So, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, if you want to fight all th two of them or three of them at a time. Sometimes I will fight Berter. When I play this game, I will fight Berter and Jace at the exact same time because it just feels more like the show because technically... Goku, if you want to call it a fight, <laughs> does fight uh, Birder and Jace at the same time. Uh, it was really more of a, a, you know, Goku just standing there, like, while they were sitting there, thought they were intimidating Goku, and Goku was, like, literally not even um, intimidated by them at all, because they were, like, so weak compared to Goku. But um, essentially, once you finally beat all three of them, uh, Captain Ginyu will automatically want to fight you. You don't even have to walk up and talk to him. He just starts talking to you, and he'll automatically want to fight you. So you need to walk back to where he is and then start fighting him. Um, and then basically, once you beat him, 
and um, you will actually appear. Now, this is actually kind of a weird part of the game. Instead of just appearing and cutting ahead and just putting you inside of Freeze's spaceship like the game could have done, it's like they added in another part where it has to be padding. I get that it, these parts can be handy because it helps level up your characters, but it just feels like... There's so much, like, padding, you know, in the game. And like I said, I'll talk a little bit more about that toward the end of the episode. But uh, basically, there's uh, another padded part where you can level up Goku if you want to. Um, um, or there's a lot of flight circles lying around. You could just grab the flight circles and just cut ahead, essentially. So there's a lot of uh, Frieza's uh, minion, basically, out here. And if you just keep walking, like, to the right, you'll eventually work your way off um, into where Frieza's ship is at. And once you get to Frieza's ship, what you need to do is you can't just walk right into it because apparently the door is sealed and Vegeta and Krillin and Gohan are too mean to apparently just open up the fucking door for you. <laughs> uh, you actually have to fly through the top part of it. <laughs> but I get they just did that for the purpose of the game. But, like, it, it, yeah, it kind of feels pointless. It feels like they could have just put a door there on the side. But, <laughs> you know, really it feels like he should have just appeared inside of the spaceship. But, yeah, once you fly, you got to get a flight. You need to make sure you have enough flight, and you can just fly all the way on top of Freeze's spaceship, and there's a little hole there. Fly over that hole, and he'll automatically appear inside of the spaceship. So, And uh, so once you get inside the spaceship, there's only, like, three different ways you can go. If you go to the left, it'll take you to the armory room. There's nothing to do in there. Uh, Goku just basically mentions that it's uh, Freeze's minion's armor. Um, if you go forward, like to the front door, like to the top there, um, it actually gives you the option to fly back outside of the ship if you want to, which is actually kind of cool because that way in case you flew inside the ship and then you realize, oh crap, this is the last part of the game, you know, I should really do some more training before I move forward. So then it gives you the option to fly back outside the ship. I do appreciate that. I just kind of wish the game would have just put you inside the ship and then you could have just had the option to fly back out if you wanted to. Um, it just, cause like I said, all that stuff before that really just feels like padding to me, but maybe some people might disagree with that. And then if you walk to your right, it'll take you right in front of a rejuvenation chamber. Um, now this is, uh, which Goku actually mentions where it's like, it seems to be like there's enough power in this chamber for at least one more use. Now, how in the world Goku knows that? I have no idea, but, <laughs> but it's just the game telling you, I don't know why they felt the need to tell you that in the game that literally was no point in purpose to that dialogue. But, um, this is one part of the game. I actually really appreciate it when games do this because not all games do this, but it's like when there's a point of no return. Um, I really appreciate it. Some people don't like this. I've heard some people tell me they don't like this because they feel like it pulls you outside of the game, but I actually appreciate it when games do this. But basically, at the end of this game, it says, now, before you walk into the chamber, it says the game will basically be telling you, it's like, after this, there is no turning back. You know, literally, after you do this, your only option is to fight Frieza. So if you feel like you're not leveled up enough now in all saying in all honesty if you're at least level 20 really you probably should be higher like maybe level at least probably level 22 or 3 but uh if you're at least level 20 you should be fine uh it may just take you a little bit longer to beat them but you'll be fine 
Um, but it is nice that they give you a warning because, like I said, not all games do this. I think Kingdom Hearts 2, I'm not sure about the first one, I can't remember, but I think Kingdom Hearts 2 does the same thing where when you walk in right before you go face the final battle, it gives you that warning that, like, now, are you sure you want to step forward? Because once you do, there's no point, there's no point of return after this. And so, yeah, I like the fact that the game does that. I think that's pretty cool. So basically, once you step inside the chamber, it actually shows you a little cutscene of Goku being inside the chamber, which I like. Um, and then once you click A again or B or I think any button really, um, it will uh, take you to where um, the final battle is, which is with Frieza. So Krillin and Gohan are standing out there. They tell you that Vegeta has been killed by Frieza. Um, which of course Vegeta technically doesn't die until Goku after Goku shows up, but you know, you know, it's a game, so they need to, you know, cut time. Like I said, a lot of these games, especially this first one, is very abridged version of the story of the show. The second one, they do try to make a more of an effort to really try to make sure it's as close to the show as this Game Boy game can possibly be, this Game Boy Advance game. Um, and they do really do a good job. But this first one, they do a pretty good job. It's like I said, it's very, it's a, it's a pretty good abridged version of the um, the show, so the story of the show. Um, but one strange part that I thought was really weird when I was a kid is when you go up to fight Frieza, he's still in his first form, like he's still in that short little first form he has uh, with the horns on and everything. Like I found really odd and um <laughs> i just i don't know i just found that really odd when i was a kid i felt that i mean i guess i can kind of get what uh what webfoot technologies was going for i guess they wanted to pad out the the fight a little bit and they thought it might be a little bit more fun if you got to see all the forms of frieza you know but it just feels a little goofy to me. First of all, it just like it feels so um, out of place from the show. There's a few things before this moment that feel a little out of place um, in parts of the show. But um, for the most part, they do a pretty good job of not making things feel too out of place. Probably the three things that really stick out to me the most every time I play this game where I'm like, well, that's really weird, especially if you're very familiar with the show. The first thing being the fact that some random old man hermit teaches you the solar flare, which is literally TN's technique, uh, which is really weird. <laughs> and one that's even weirder is the fact that King Kai teaches you the Kamehameha wave, which is even really weird because Goku, literally, that's like one of the first techniques he learns in Dragon Ball. And, um, but like I said, this is probably the third weirdest part of the game. It's like, uh, seeing Frieza in all his, uh, fighting him in all his forms with Goku. It's just really bizarre. I think it's a little unnecessary. Like I said, again, it feels a little bit like padding, but I guess they figured the player would want to see all of Frieza's forms in the game. But to me, it just kind of felt unnecessary. And all honesty, I think it was just kind of more work for the team that really wasn't necessary. I think they could have just uh, put Frieza in his final form. I think what would have been even better is if they would have just had Frieza already in his final form. And then as you fought him, and then um, then he could have 
uh, buffed up. You know how Frieza gets really buff when he goes to his 100% mode? Um, they should have done a transformation like that. Um, they should have just had him like in a small regular form, and then as you fight him, after you get to a certain point in the game, then it could have had him transform or buff up um, all the way to 100% where he's really buff and stuff. I think that would have been uh, probably a better way to implement it where you got to see because they never even show that buff form it's like they made the effort to show all these other transformations of frieza all these other forms but um they didn't even make an effort to try to show the buff form which i was like me i would have rather seen that form than having goku fight all these forms just for the sake of the gamer getting to see frieza in all these forms but I find it, uh, just like I said, as a kid, I, that just really stood out to me. Those sp Specifically, those three parts of the game. Like I said, those two forms, learning by the, the different people, and then seeing Frieza and all his forms while fighting Goku. Uh, those were the three parts. Every, there's little things here and there throughout the game that feel a little weird, but they're all very excusable, like I said. it's uh, Like I said, you have to keep in mind, this is a very abridged version of the show. Um, but like I said, those things to me kind of felt a little pointless and I can maybe at least understand the first two because they wanted to give the gamer a feel a feeling of progression it still feels odd but I can I can at least understand oh um I can at least understand though but with this whole seeing all Frieza's forms thing like I said the only reason why I can think about or the reason why they did this is just because they felt like maybe the gamer might want to see all of Frieza's forms in the game um, I personally didn't feel the need to see all that but maybe some gamers disagree maybe they like the fact that it showed all of Frieza's forms and uh, they would have been disappointed if it wouldn't have so I guess it depends <laughs> By the way, you ever notice in the TV show that Frieza in his, um, I think it's his third form, but it would be his second transformation, uh, the one that kind of looks like one of the um, the xenomorphs from uh, Alien. Um, you ever notice that like literally he's only in that transformation for like one episode? <laughs> like he'll transform into that transformation. And then he fights against Piccolo, and he's literally seems to be winning the fight. And then just all of a sudden, he's just like, okay, he's just going to transform again. And I'm just like, why did Frieza do that? Does I was like, I always wondered that when I was a kid, and I saw that episode for the first time. I was like, and then literally the next episode, he's already like transformed into his final form. And I'm like, why did Frieza do that? I've never really understood why he did that. Um, I'm like, does he not like that form, or did he just feel like it would just be better if he went ahead and just transformed to his final form? Um, I don't know. It just, I never understood, the show never really did a very good job explaining. Maybe the Japanese version had extra lines in it or something that got cut out in the English version that maybe explained that a little bit more, I'm not sure. Um, um, but yeah, I just always found that really peculiar. <clears throat> Excuse me. But anyway, I digress. That's just in the show. That really has nothing to do with the game. One another thing disappointing about the game is like as soon as he become transforms into his final form, Goku already becomes Super Saiyan. Again, something it's kind of felt like that part of the game felt rushed because they were spending so much time trying to make sure you saw all the forms of Frieza when they could have just had you come up and fight 
Frieza in his normal state, and then he could have became Buff Frieza, and then you could have went Super Saiyan, you know, that would have made, uh, that would have been a great part way to pad out the boss battle, pad out the game, and still keep in continuity with the show without feeling too weird. Um, I would have thought that would have been a much better decision, but for some strange reason, they went the way they did. But it is awesome to get to uh, fight uh, Goku as a Super Saiyan. I was really, I figured they would let you do that, because I was like, well, how can they not let you do that? But sometimes you never know what the, <laughs> you know, I was thinking, some of the weird stuff that was going on in the early parts of the game, I wondered so at some points, I'm like, are they even going to let you fight as Goku as a Super Saiyan? But yeah, they do. They uh, let you fight him as a Super Saiyan. One cool thing about this game, Versus the sequels, because in the sequels you can be, uh, you know, fight as Super Saiyans as well. But in the sequels, you know, you're timed, because basically when you transform into Super Saiyan, it actually takes your energy bar. The cool thing about the third one, though, is even though it still takes energy from you, it creates a separate energy bar for you, specifically just for the Super Saiyan mode. And then when you run out of that bar, you still have energy. You just aren't Super Saiyan anymore, and you have to wait so long before you transform again. That's the nice thing about the third one and Boo's Fury. But in the second one in Legacy of Goku 2, the sucky part is is not only are you timed, but it also takes all your energy from you, which is one reason why I didn't become Super Saiyan too often in the game. Sometimes I did. really just depended on what part of the game it was and who I was playing as. But yeah, I didn't do it too often. I felt like in the second one, like I said, I'll talk a little bit more about this in the sequel, but I'll mention this real quickly. But um, in the second one, it was actually most useful to play as Piccolo as a supernamic because he has his supernamic form where he takes his cape and his hat off and he becomes much faster, stronger, and he also heals himself a little bit. When someone hurts him, he'll slowly heal himself, which is really nice. And uh, Piccolo, so Piccolo's Super Namek form is actually even more useful than the Super Saiyan form, I think, and um, which I found very interesting. So I actually, anytime I was playing as Piccolo, I often would play as a Super Namek versus um, playing with Vegeta, Gohan, or Goku when they could be or in Trunks as, when they become Super Saiyans. I found them a little bit less useful being Super Saiyans because, again, it took all your energy from you. And it was kind of like, uh, so. But it was cool to get at least get to do it. But in this first game, the coolest part about being Super Saiyan is the fact that you can stay, you stay Super Saiyan as long as the fight still continues to go on. It doesn't, um, you know. It doesn't affect your energy in any way. You're just seeing them as Super Saiyan. So I really like that. I like the fact that they added that implement into the game. It was cool. Even though it was such a small part of the game, it was cool that they actually took the time to add all those sprites in uh, as Go Super Saiyan version of Goku just for the sake of that one part. And so, th like I said, it, there's things about this game I really love that um, Webfoot Technologies did. They really felt like they went out of their way to do just for one part of the game. But then there were parts of the game where it felt like they were just kind of being lazy and they didn't really implement it very well. It's like I said again, like with they went out of their way to do all these forms of Frieza, but then they didn't even bother to mess with trying to do buff Frieza or trying to make it where Frieza and Goku fought, you know as him in his regular state against Final Form Frieza before becoming Super Saiyan. 
Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. It just, there are parts, I didn't really understand their logic with some of the decisions they made in this first game. Um, cause like I said, they just went so far out of their way for certain parts that felt unnecessary and which was nice, but it just felt a little unnecessary at some parts. And then the, like I said, then there were other parts where it felt like they were just kind of being lazy, not trying to stay more true to the show or for the sake of would have been a cool part to just simply see in the game in general, not even so much that I need every single part of the game to be exactly like the show. I'm not going to be that dang picky, but it's just like, it would have been cool to see that in the game. Like I said, to see Goku fight as Frieza in his final form and regular state first for a little while and then actually see him go super Saiyan. But overall, I understand this was Webfoot technologies like, one of their first games, I think. I think they only made like maybe one or two games before this one, if I remember correctly. I looked it up a long time ago. Uh, but yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, I'm I'm all over the place with talking about stuff. So let me go ahead and wrap things up here. So that's pretty much the end of the game. Because uh, like I said, as soon as you defeat Frieza in his final form, it shows you some of the cutscenes from the show. And it basically wraps up the game. Um, fun fact, this was actually where the story was supposed to end in the TV show. That's actually why they called it Dragon Ball Z in the TV show version of it. They called it Dragon Ball Z and not just Dragon Ball. Because this was supposed to be the last part of the show. It was supposed to start with the Saiyan Saga and slowly lead you all the way up to the Frieza Saga at the very end. And then once Goku defeated Frieza, that was supposed to cap off the end of the show. It was supposed to be the last part of Dragon Ball. And then, of course, in the TV show, they called it Dragon Ball Z because Z is the last letter in the alphabet, the English alphabet. And um, so he thought that would be kind of a clever way, like I said, to cap off the show. But so many fans loved it so much that the show became even more popular and the manga became even more popular that he felt the need to continue on. They just kept begging for more. They're like, oh, no, you can't stop it here. You just got to keep the show going. So that's when he was like, well, not sure really where I go from here. So that's when he started writing new concepts for stories and stuff, and he continued the show on. (laughs) And then I think the same thing happened again with the Cell Saga. The Cell Saga was intended to be the last part of the show. It was supposed to end there. And then again, people did the same thing again. They complained that they wanted more of the show. They were like, no, no, you can't end it. You got to keep it going. So then that's when he came out with the concept for the Majin Buu saga. And um, and then finally he officially ended it there. He made it to where you really couldn't continue the show. That's why in Dragon Ball Super, um, he kind of had to actually backtrack a little bit because Dragon Ball Z actually ends at the end of Dragon Ball Z at the... Majin Buu Saga, um, it actually ends where it's like completely the end of the story for Goku, Vegeta, and Piccolo, and all of them. Like the sh- it completely ends. That's why, like I said, they kind of had to uh, backtrack a little bit when they did um, when they did uh, Dragon Ball Super. They had to kind of go back in time a little bit and like, okay, well, you know, forget that little last part of Dragon Ball Z. You just kind of pretend that the show ended at the end of the Busak, and we'll just continue from there. (laughs) So it's kind of interesting that they did it that way. But like I said, I guess he didn't really have much of a choice if he wanted to continue with the same uh, characters of, you know, of course, Goku, Vegeta, and um, Gohan, and all them. Um, 
and it definitely feels that way too in Dragon Ball Z. It feels like there's three brackets of the show. Like I said, the Saiyan Saga slash Namek slash Frieza Saga all feel like one portion of the show, and there's definitely the Android slash uh, Cell Saga definitely feels like its own portion of the show too. And then, of course, the Boo Saga also feels like its own portion of the show. It's uh, very interesting the way that works out. And so when I first heard that information, I'm like, oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me because it, it very it feels very distinct that way. The, the animation style's a, a little bit different with each segment. Uh, you can tell it's been, it was a few years in between each one. Um, a lot of technology had probably changed by that point. And um, you can tell the the story is a little bit different with each one. You know, like I said, the the first part explores a little bit more of Goku's childhood, like and where he came from. Because in Dragon Ball, it's never really explained. Um, you know, he's just kind of like this Earth boy who has a tail. <laughs> you know, it's never really explained why he has all this power, why he has a tail, why he can transform into this great ape. But none of that's ever really explained. But I will say Dragon Ball has a lot of weird stuff in it anyway. And there's a lot of really strange characters in it. So it, I don't necessarily think that Goku's stuff and powers really felt too out of place for the show. But, you know, it, I guess it is kind of cool that they went back and explained all that. So in Dragon Ball Z, basically, that's what it, it explores in the first part with the Saiyan and uh, Frieza Sog. You know, it really explores... The uh, where Goku came from and his origins and stuff like that of his race. So that part is kind of feels like the main um, purpose of that part of the show. And then the second part of the show, the Android slash uh, Cell Saga, was really intended to hand kind of the mantle off to Gohan. It was supposed to be like, okay, well, Goku had been the hero all this time, and now it's Gohan's turn to take, you know, the mantle. He's going to be the new hero, uh, you know, because Goku decided that he didn't want to be wished back to Earth. He was just like, no, just keep me here. He was like, my time on Earth is done, you know, and which really feels out of place now on the show because Goku, you know, he's back on Earth and he's still the main, he, he became the main hero again, and, uh, but... But really, you know, it, it, that's only because, like I said, it was intended for Goku to hand his mantle off to Gohan. But so now it just kind of feels out of place when you watch the later episodes that in Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so that's really kind of the... And Goku's really not even in um, the um, that saga all that much because the problem is, is when the fo show first starts... Goku is still, um, you know, out in space. And then um, then when he comes back, they immediately go to training, and it still doesn't really focus, key in on Goku all that much because there's Goku, Piccolo, and Gohan that are all training together for the androids, but then it's showing other parts of the show too, like Vegeta. Actually, I don't even think it shows Vegeta for a while. Um, you know, it shows uh, them some of the other people training and stuff. So, I don't know. There's a lot of little fluff episodes. I need to go back and watch this show. It's been a while since I've seen some of these episodes. Um, and then uh, then right after, you know, the androids show up, Goku fights against Android 19, and then he gets the heart virus. So, then he's asleep for half the, the saga, pretty much the rest of the android saga, and the beginning of the Cell saga. Like, Goku's asleep. 
So he kind of gets axed from the show for a good portion of it. And then, again, he fights against Cell in his final form at the Cell Games, and then he gives up and steps down to let Gohan um, fight. So it really feels like Goku, you know, you could tell that the writers of the show were really trying to, you know, put Goku's character more to rest at this part. They were kind of like, okay, you know, how do we get people more and more used to Goku not really being a main part of the show anymore, you know, kind of give Gohan more light, which I don't know if they did a very good job giving Gohan more of a, more of the, uh, other than the Cell Saga itself, when he first goes Super Saiyan 2 and stuff, before all that, it's, I don't know if they did a very good job uh, giving Gohan a, um, you know, giving you this feeling like Gohan's going to be the new hero of the show. I don't know if I ever really got that strong impression throughout the show other than that, like I said, that final part. But maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they wanted you to, you know, feel like, okay, who's going to take the the spot of Goku, you know, and then it winds up being Gohan. So, um, or at least it was supposed to be. <laughs> Which I was, uh, that was one thing about the Boo Saga I didn't like because I was really disappointed where they took the character of Gohan because he felt so cool and badass by the end of the Cell Saga. I was kind of disappointed that they just decided to be like, okay, well, if I'm going to have Goku come back, let's just make Gohan be, you know. Basically, he just went back to doing what he always did, you know. There was really, he, I, you never really get this feeling like Gohan became the new hero of Earth like Goku was. Um, it just kind of feels like, you know, he went back to doing what he, where he left off. Every time Goku seems to disappear from the earth, you know, cause maybe he's off doing something, you know, like I said, when he was in space, um, you know, Gohan just kind of goes back to his studies and, um, and then the same thing again, when as soon as they defeat Cell and the Earth is at peace for many, many years, he just kind of goes back to his studies. And he even starts going to public school and um, or private school, I think it was, because they were all wearing uniforms, so I think it was supposed to be private school. But, um, but um, anyway, <laughs> I don't know how I got off on all that. But the games, uh, one thing I can appreciate about the end of this game is it did a really good job. Uh, giving you I about these games is it, it kind of takes each segment of the show like I said it take it gives you the goes in the details between the Saiyan and the Frieza saga and then Legacy of Goku 2 it takes you all the way from the Android saga it kind of skips over the Garlic Jr. saga I guess that's not a lot of people's favorite saga so it's like literally this all the games just kind of completely skip over that part. Just kind of, I mean, it, it it takes implements of that and puts it in the game because in the game they, um, um, the animals. This is one thing I appreciate about Legacy of Goku too. They kind of give you a reason why you need to fight off the animals. In the first one, it's like you're just killing animals, and but in the second one, it's like he's actually fighting against them because they're dangerous and uh, because they've been affected by this black water. Um, you know, that garlic uh, junior had left all over the, the earth. And, uh, but the saga itself, yeah, is never, it's just completely skipped over. So, uh, in the next podcast, we're going to be picking up where right at the beginning of legacy Goku two, which is my favorite game in the series. I love the legacy Goku two. I'm really excited. Um, 
I can't wait to this this part of these this game will probably take a lot longer for me to break down each part because I have a lot more childhood memories with this game and like I said it's a much it's a longer game there's also more details of the game more things to talk about so um uh, get prepared like I said I know this first game only took about yeah four or five episodes to get through it but this like I said Legacy of Goku 2 will definitely take much longer because there's more to talk about and like I said I have a lot more childhood memories with it but yeah that's pretty much the end of the podcast so I hope you enjoyed it so do you remember what the question the trivia question was Uh, there's a bonus item that comes with your game if you bought it brand new course if you buy it used you're probably not going to get it because uh, you know games came in these cardboard or paper i guess boxes back in the day and so a lot of people would just throw them away when they after they took the game out they wouldn't keep the box because now most games come in uh, the uh, plastic boxes to where people feel more like they need to feel more reliant to keep them <clears throat> So it came in your box. It was actually a poster that came with it. It was a little game poster. It's basically just the cover of the game. Um, so, yeah. Um, how many people... Uh, did any of y'all ever get this game when it was actually brand new when it came out? Actually, I did not own this game when I was a kid. This game was actually my sister's game because she got a Game Boy Advance first. She got the old school Game Boy Advance, like the one before the... Um, the uh, not the clamshell design that not the SP but the original Game Boy, she got that for Christmas I think, and then she got a Legacy of Goku with it, and I became really addicted to playing this game all the time, and so when Leg when I saw that they were announcing Legacy of Goku two, that's when I was like I told my mom like I was like oh I gotta have this I found out it was gonna be out before my birthday so uh, I think I was turning thirteen. 12 or no I would have been turning 13 I think that year and um I told her I was like oh I gotta have this game for my birthday so and um so she got it for me and I immediately was uh very impressed by the game but we will get all into that into the in the next episode so join me next time when we'll be talking about the legacy of Goku 2 I'm Kevin Emery, this is the Legacy of Goku podcast, and I'm out.